Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford coming to you live on blogtalkradio.com from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This is the home of Small Business IT Radio. Uh, bi-weekly podcast, webcast to help small business IT professionals with the struggles in, in business and having to you know, just make our businesses profitable out there. And um, so we do this uh, kind of as an informational thing for, uh, for our small business IT professionals, business owners, and guys out there who just want to, uh, hey, can't forget the, uh, and the ladies out there in, in our profession that just want to make some more money out of their business. And today we're joined by uh, Liz Bierman from the KLA Group out of uh, uh, the Denver area, I do believe, somewhere around there. And I had an opportunity to see Liz talk at the CompTIA conference in Las Vegas uh, in the early August time frame. And she had a great presentation on ways to attract new leads into our business. As business owners, it's one of the things we are constantly working towards is how do we get more business, how do we generate more opportunities out there in the marketplace. And uh, Liz's chat had some great uh, tips and tricks out there. And we will make some of the information available to um, to all the listeners out there by uh, uh, off our website. If you sign up at smallbusinessitradio.com, again, at smallbusinessitradio.com, and on the right side of the screen, you'll see a sign-up to our alerts and mailing list. If you sign up on there, we'll make sure you get a copy of all the information we're going to be talking about uh, today sent over the weekend there. Anyway, I'd like to uh, welcome Liz to the to the program this morning. Good or and good afternoon or to the afternoon for our our listeners on the west coast or the east coast. I'm getting all my west and east mixed up today. Good morning, Liz. How are things uh, in your world today? Well, good morning, Stuart. Things are great here. You were right. It is Denver, Colorado, and we're having a beautiful fall. As I wish the same to everybody else uh, across the our listening audience and. Um, Certainly, am uh, very pleased to be with you this morning. Well, we're honored to have you uh, take some time out of the day to uh, come and talk to us. Now, we we attended this seminar in uh, in early August in Vegas uh, from CompTIA. You gave us uh, some information about ways to get uh, leads into our business, but let's just kind of set the stage here. Can you tell us a little about the KLA Group? What is the services that you guys offer? Maybe what's your role inside the organization? Yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely, I would very much like to do that. I am uh, a, consenior, a senior consultant with the KLA Group, and our focus is to help companies, and we, we do work with small and medium uh, businesses as well as enterprise businesses, and we have done a lot of focus over the last, I would say, six months into those companies who are working with managed services, working with IT, trying to grow their business through what they had established into new areas. So we recognize that lead generation is a very large part of this, and our president, Kendra Lee, has written a great book called Selling Against the Goal, and it is available on Amazon if anybody would like to go get it. But it really, I've often said, I'm supposed to say it's a good book because my company president wrote it, but what I will tell you is, that when I was in field sales several years ago, I wish I had had this book. It's very hands-on. It really gives people a good idea of what it is that they can do to increase their leads. And then just as a quick follow-up, KLA then, uh, we do anything we can to help companies be more successful in customer-facing from sales training to coaching to consulting 
and certainly would encourage anybody and everybody to contact us as well so we can help them. Um, our website is www.klagroup.com, and at the end of our radio program today, we'll give listeners a way to get some of the free resources that we have for them today, specifically with regard to lead generation. That's great, Liz. And I want to remind everybody listening to the call-in line is area code 646-716-8372. The lines already are jam-packed. There's not a free line available right now. So if you're listening uh, on the telephone and you have access to the Internet, internet you can also listen online uh, just by going to smallbusinessitradio.com and click on the link to the radio program on that website. And maybe we can free up a line there for people that have some questions. So right now there's no free lines here. So again, we already got a, we got a pretty to- uh, popular topic already, and we haven't even began to talk about it yet. So sure. let's just dig right in. We'll get some of the callers that are listening um, with questions here in a few minutes. But I want to talk about some of the some of the challenges right out of the gate here about you know sales reps, you know. Sales reps have a quota to meet uh, uh, in our business. Do you have any idea what number of sales reps today are not even hitting uh, their basic quotas? Thank you for asking that, Stuart. And I think what you're going to do is you would be absolutely shocked at the fact that over 41% of sales reps today don't even achieve, achieve their quota. And that's really high. And I'll tell you that that's not just off the top of my head that came from CSO Insights, and it's their sales performance optimization um, analysis. And 41% of sales reps is high enough that it makes all of us kind of sit back and say, whoa, wait a minute, what is it that we are not doing or what is it that we could be doing? So with that, that means that um, that 40.9%, as I said, almost 41 if they were able to generate more leads, if they were able to maximize their prospecting time, if they were able to confidently contribute to a full and active list of prospects, what would it mean? Um, even one or two or three percent of that would mean significant increases to all of those business owners and sales representatives in increased revenue. So what can we do as a sales manager or even a sales rep to make that number uh shrink on how many sales. I'd love to have you know, 100% of sales uh, people making their quota. You bet. But what can we do um, as sales managers or even a sales rep to you know lessen that number that so more and more sales people are hitting their quotas today? Well, I'm glad to ask that too because I will tell you that you know in today's world, you know as we're talking about the number of uh, sales representatives and how best that they can make it happen, we know that... Um, we know that prospecting and cold calling and all of those things that we've been doing for years have not been very effective. Cold calling is a time sink, and it isn't very effective, and the reason it's not very effective is because our customers are very smart. They are, even as we don't like to take um, telemarketing calls, neither do our customers. And the questions that we need to ask ourselves is, how can we get better qualification information without sounding salesy? And how can we get our message across? Sometimes it's too long. How do we get that across effectively and still keep them interested? 
And if we can't do that, all of a sudden our motivation as business owners and salespeople wanes. I mean, we keep thinking, why am I beating my head against the wall? So I really came prepared today to talk about three different things, um, what I'm going to call power prospecting foundations. Um, how is it that we can use, number one, what we already have. I don't have a magic wand. I don't have a magic pill that I can say, here, go get this. But I can say, how can you use what you're doing now and make it even better? And then, what are some new things that we can do? And the second part of what I want to talk about is driving and managing those qualified prospects. First of all, how do we get them? And then once we get them, what do we do with them? And then the third part of it, for those of you in the listening audience who have sales teams that they work with, how do we manage and motivate and keep those people happy to get them continually excited to move forward? So some of these ideas will be familiar to some of the listening audience, and some of them they might have tried in the past. But the goal that we're going to have today is to grab one or two of them that they can immediately implement and that they can immediately um, go forward with and make them some money. Awesome. That's great. And that's, you know, it's all, that's, and as a business owner, it excites me about making more money. So <laughs> that's all good. Let's just dig right into this. Uh, you first mentioned power prospecting. Right. What is, what is that? What is power prospecting? We're all doing some sort of prospecting thing, but I, my assumption is going to be prospecting with a bit more effort or more of a focused uh, like that laser focused uh, effort on on the prospecting is that in the right general area? Absolutely, that is exactly what we're talking about. And power prospecting means that I think you know if I go back to my sales days and well, and I'm still selling, uh, but when I was just selling as opposed to doing some of the delivery work that I do now. Uh, I recognize that I would get on the phone and begin to make the calls and do the research and and say and I'd get to the end of a couple of hours and say, okay, so what did you accomplish? Well, I accomplished ten calls, or I accomplished twenty calls. Well, what prospecting really says is let's get past just the numbers. How many calls? How many people did we hit? How many connects did we make? Let's get past that and say for every call that I made, did I really infuse power into this and how can we do that? And I'd like to, of the ten things we're going to talk about today, I'd like to start with the first five. And I'm going to read them off and then let's talk about them a little bit. The, the five that I want to talk about in the world of power prospecting, first of all, is establishing a solid value statement. Now, We've heard this whole concept of value statement so long that I don't want any of you listeners to go, yeah, 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 we've heard that before. Set that aside. You know, let's, let's suspend belief for just a moment and let's open ourselves up to some possibilities of some great new things. And one of them will be to say, okay, so what is my value statement? This isn't a value proposition. This isn't an elevator pitch. What does my value statement look like? And is it just infused with power? Does it just it, it crackle with electricity? Next, I'd like to talk about maximizing your tools. Boy, we all buy great software. We've all got good stuff out there. We've got Outlook. How do we really effectively use it? And then number three, generating leads through constant referral requests. You know, I asked that guy the last time if he had a referral 
for me, so I'm not going to ask him again. Mm, not the right way to do it. We're going to talk about how do we get more leads through referrals. And number four, leveraging your networking, to which everybody's nodding. Yep, heard that a million times, but let's talk maybe a couple of different ways we can talk about networking and really making it power prospecting. And then the fifth way is drive consistent, high-quality, self-serve marketing plans. And that was the thing I was so weak at. I would do a million cold calls, but where did they fit into my marketing plan? You know, they, maybe they didn't. So that's what, those are the first five big tips that we'd like to come across with today and talk a little bit more about those. Oh, perfect. Okay, well, let's, um, well, let's, let's just dig in right now. We'll do the first five, and then we'll open up the phone lines for some questions here. So the first thing on power prospecting, you talk about is establishing the solid value statement. Now, right. when I look at value statement, value proposition, it's really a one or two sentence thing about what is the value that my business or your business or whoever's listening's business is bringing to their marketplace. Right. I'm assuming this is somewhere along that same line, but with you know, it's more concrete. It's something that you can actually, for lack of better terms, hold in your hands. You bet. Exactly, and and as I said, we're we're trying to infuse this with power. So everybody who's on the phone with us today, if they said, "Yeah, here is my value statement. Here is what I use with customers, and I use it with all customers." Well, none of us likes to believe that we are a one size fits all. We don't walk into a shoe store and say, "I'd like to see the one pair of shoes that you're selling today, and I'll either buy them or not." We want to all feel very personal. We want to feel that when you call me, that you're calling me, that I'm not just a receiver of your value message. So I encourage everybody to put together a great value statement. Now, why am I calling it a statement instead of a proposition? Because my sense is is that we can use this value statement in a wide variety of ways. And I, I don't think people have thought about that before, that once we get this great statement, that we can use it as an opening statement in a cold call. We can use it the next time we call to generate some interest. We can use it in an email. We can use it to get an appointment. We can use it to get past the gatekeeper. We can use it as a framework for the questions that are going to follow we can use it to position our solution or to move the sales process forward. And I think too many of us spend a lot of time writing a great value statement. We use it as our opening, and then somehow it gets discarded. So I really, in the work that I do with, with my clients, I really use the time carefully to put together a value statement that is so good that we can use it repeatedly, and here's the big news. It brands us. So when people hear this value statement in its wide variety of ways that we're going to present it, they go, oh, yeah, that's Liz Bierman with the KLA group. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm going to get from them. So just to, to really give everybody here a quick and dirty formula for your value statement, my very high-level top formula is, them, me, them. Now, what do I mean by that? You, you were saying, Stuart, that it's a couple of sentences, and you're absolutely right. But how many of us 
start with our company. We say, hi, I'm from the KLA group and, well, that's immediately going to turn somebody off. Rather than if I were saying, Stuart, I understand that your company currently is being challenged with, oh my gosh, I'm talking about them. Exactly. Now, the next sentence then, this is where I give people permission to talk about you. So then I say, yeah, we at the KLA Group have helped customers like yours in, and then we offer our benefit. And the last sentence is truly value. How am I going to help my customer increase revenue or decrease cost? Because really that's the only reason they're going to let us in their door. So if we incorporate that into our value statement, we're automatically telling them what it is we're going to do for them. So for those of you who've got value statements or value propositions or elevator pitches or opening statements or whatever you want to call them, hold up the yardstick and say, am I talking about them first, then me, then them again with a value behind it? And if that's what your value statement looks like, you are good to go because it will be packed with power. That's great. That's a good way to start. I mean, it's always to me. I one one of the things I learned in uh, business is is the what's in it for me yeah. uh, mentality. When I'm talk, if I'm a if I'm putting myself in my client's shoes, the clients are want to hear what's in it for them all the time, you or your prospects, or whoever you're dealing with. It's not so much about what's what you as a business can offer. It's, it's really what's in it for for them. And you mentioned them, you and them again. Right. That's a great way to start. So the next thing is uh, we got all this, these great tools. You mentioned Outlook and some other software packages, CRMs. I am sure that we're maybe t- you know the tip of the iceberg here that we're maximizing the full uh, punch of what these tools can give to our to our business. Oh, can you expand on that a little bit? You bet, absolutely. I um, I work with so many customers that will say to me, you know, look at everything that I have in trying to get out and prospect and do lead generation. And um, I've spent all this money and I have it, but I really don't feel that I'm maximizing it for my lead generation. And the first place I'll even ask is I will say, uh, for example, when you request time with a customer, do you send out an Outlook invitation? And they'll say, no, I'll wait for the customer to come back and say, yes, Tuesday at 4 o'clock works. What I've suggested instead is send out two Outlook invitations. One of them says, um, meeting with Liz and Stuart, um, option one. And then I put 4 o'clock on Tuesday and I send it to you. And then the next one says, meeting with Liz and Stuart, option two, and it's for 4 o'clock on Wednesday. And I will say to my uh, prospective customer or lead or prospect, choose the one that's best for you and delete the other one or decline the other one. I have to tell you that that works more than you would ever believe. And if you don't walk away with anything else from our program today, give that a try. So when your prospect gets those two very official-looking Outlook invitations, they go. They don't look at it and go, oh, wait a minute, what was this? Instead, they go, yeah, I can meet with Liz at that time. And they accept it at seeing that it's option one, and they, re, they reject the other one or re, refuse the other one. 
And all of a sudden, I've got that appointment I was looking for. What I tend to do is I put my value statement right there in the body of the appointment. So this particular person knows in a them-you-them format who I am, why I'm calling them, and what's the true value I'm going to be able to bring to them. So we've all heard of a million ways that we can use our email, but are we truly using the calendar aspect of Outlook as best that it can be used? So that's a big one that I use and that I can't tell you how. It, I, it still astounds me the number of times that it works and that I get an appointment I wasn't expecting to get. So that's a really, really big one. And then just a couple of others. Um, I am, again, amazed at the number of times that I get an email from someone with no call to action. There's great value in it. You know, yes, I understand where the value is, and yes, I think you're a great company, et cetera, but it's nothing more than call me. Well, I'm not going to call them. If they are truly the vendor that I think they are, they're the ones who are going to get to me. So what I recommend that people do at the end of an email or at the, even at the end of a voicemail, is say, here is my contact information. I'm Liz Bierman, um, and my number is 617, you know, I, whatever I give them. And then I say, and here's my email address. I will call you tomorrow about 10 o'clock. So instead of saying, hi, my name is Liz Bierman, here's my phone number, please call me if you're interested, I turn it around. I give them the, my contact information so that they can hand it off to an assistant or a secretary and say, hey, would you contact Liz Bierman and tell her that next Tuesday isn't, isn't the best time or here's an alternative. And not only that, they know what my action is going to be next. So it's just another way to position giving them your information but telling them you're going to be doing all the heavy lifting and all the work to get to them. So well, that's a wonderful a approach, and it's, it's, it's truly amazing. Cause I, never, I never even thought of that myself. Uh, I always put uh, you know, that type of thing at the bottom, not saying, please call me, but I always I extend an invitation that I'm a reachable if they need it. I'm going to try that myself to say, I'll, I'll follow up with you on such and such a day at this time. That will be, be powerful. And one of the other things, Liz, what I do as well is when I'm before I go meet with a, a prospect, if I have a kit in my office ready to go that has some inf- basic information about the business, some client success stories that we've done, maybe some of our press releases and other company information, uh, how we work with businesses around the size of the, or the vertical market that we're going to go meet with. And the other thing that I have done as well is I put a little bit of information brochure about me in there maybe a picture with a picture of me and some of my qualifications and company facts so they know who I am when I walk in the door. It's They already know who I am, what the company does, and they actually can have a physical picture there to, uh, you know, that's current, that's important, and it shows who I am, and when I'm walking through the door, they can easily recognize me. So that's one of the other tips that I have done that seems to uh, be very effective for me. Well, what a great idea because, as you and I both know, well, and I'm sure our entire listening audience knows as well, uh, people do business with people. They don't do business with companies. And so making yourself real to them, what a great idea. Absolutely. I think that's marvelous. 
So the next thing we got here, and I promise all the callers listening that we will get to, to your call. Maybe we'll hit maybe we'll hit the next topic, and then we'll go take a, a couple of calls here just to kind of free up some of the lines. But I want to talk about generating leads to constant referral requests. And to me, that's something that I do consistently. Even if I don't win a deal uh, for for one reason or another, I always follow up with a, a follow up email or phone call. So you know, what are some of the things we could have improved uh, to win your business next time? And also, do you know anybody that you can pass along our name with, or that I can contact that maybe in a similar boat uh, as you are? Uh, even getting a referral from deals that I have lost, and that's another great strategy. But I want to talk to you about what is your some of your strategies that you recommend to your uh, clients or the people that you talk to, Liz? Well, you know, you had talked earlier, Stuart, about um, what's in it for me. And when we ask for referrals, if we keep that in mind as well, so for example, if I were asking you, Stuart, for a referral, and you said to me, um, well, yeah, because of course you're going to be tentative. You're putting yourself on the line when you give me a referral. So what I tend to do is I think in my mind, what's in this for Stuart? If he gives me a referral, what's in it for him? Now, obviously I'm not going to pay you, and I'm probably not going to send you gifts. Um, I definitely will send you a thank you note. But what I continue to keep in my mind is to be able to say to you, Stuart, I very much appreciate our time together and the confidence that you have in what I can do for you. I would like to ask for a referral. In the past, when I have asked for this, here is the benefit too. Now, you may not say the benefit, but if I keep in mind that I have to be able to answer the question, what's in this for you if you give me a referral? And I think too often we forget about that. We sort of think about it like entitlement or it's our God-given right or I've done something good for you so you should give me a referral. Rather, think about it in terms of, you know, Stuart, I, I know that, that um, you and Mr. Jones have been in contact before. I will keep you posted every time I talk to Mr. Jones or maybe I can help you by increasing your value with Mr. Jones. So that is one of the biggest pieces that I do when I'm working one-on-one with people is say to them, okay, so you're asking for a referral. What is the value to your client or to your customer? What is their val- the value to them in getting that referral? And it, that really is a very personal, it's something that, takes a little bit of time to kind of work out in our own mind. Geez, I never thought about that. I don't know. What is the benefit I'm giving this person? So think about that when you do ask for referrals. And then the second part of that is don't stop at just asking for a name. Very often I'll say, hey, Stuart, can you give me a referral? And you say, sure, Liz, I'm Mike. Give you Mr. Jones, and here's his phone number. Don't stop at just the phone number or the email. Ask why. Why do you feel Mr. Jones would find benefit in working with the KLA group? And having that one piece of information will absolutely give you what you need in beginning to put together the value statement for Mr. Jones. Because remember, we're not a one-size-fits-all, and the value statement that I used for you is not necessarily going to be the same value to Mr. Jones. So those are the two points that I would say if 
you know, if something there hits you, give it a try and make it your own and uh, generate new new um, referrals and revenue from that. That's great. There's a lot of great uh, great ideas there. Now, Liz, I think you know we're half an hour through the show already. Yeah, uh, half an hour remaining. I think we're going to have to do a part two on this one already, just going the way things are going, <laughs> which is great because we've got a lot of interest out there. But I want to free. I want to take a couple calls right now because we have a lot of people that have been listening, and I'm going to free up one of the lines here. We have a caller from the five eight six area code. Uh, who's uh, who's the caller today? Uh, oh, who's on, who's calling us from the five eight six area code? Okay, well nobody seems to be there. Let's try another one, Liz. Here. Okay. Who's calling us from the seven two zero area code today? Hello. Okay, we don't see anybody there either. So. Well, we're free all these, lines. Wonder where all these callers are coming from. We got a call from New York City. Let's see who's on the line. Uh, is there a caller from New York City on the line today? Hello. Okay. Well, we're not doing that uh, that great, Liz. Here, people. People uh, dialed in, but they must have dropped off. Let's uh, okay. Let's just go on to point four then. While we're while we're here, let's talk about leveraging our network. Okay. Um, everybody has a network of some degree or another. I mean, uh, we've. Uh, I looked at. I was actually talked talk with my Microsoft rep today, and I have a Mike Outlook contacts are four thousand plus names. I mean, I, everybody who I talk to, their names get into my contact my contact database. You never never know when you might need a to leverage that network. Yeah, but I'm sure we're talking about leveraging our network about getting possible leads and right. and using people that we've met in the past or contacts we have uh, to pass along information to us. Uh, what what's the uh, how can we leverage our network to generate more opportunities for our business? Well, I think that one of the biggest pitfalls that we have in our networks is just as you mentioned, we have numbers and names. And we say, here's, here's the size of our network. I have 4,000 people in this network, or I have 300, or I have 25. Uh, it doesn't matter. Size is not the issue here. What the issue is, is taking the time, and again, big issue is time, taking the time to, to look at our network with that very discerning eye and saying, if I sent out 4,000 blasts, whether it's an email blast or however it is, direct mail, whatever. But if I sent out 4,000 blasts and all those 4,000 people responded, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be deluged. It's a tidal wave. I can't. No, we know that's unrealistic. But what I am trying to say is two things. One, take your network and say, what part of my network has either consistently knows me and knows the kind of people I'm looking for, because we don't do that. We just figure this is my network. So let's take our network apart, and let's take 10 people out of our network and say these folks know me well, know my product well, understand what my value is, and can truly give me the kinds of prospects that I'm looking for. So we isolate. We, it's almost as if we treat our network like prospects. So we contact those people in our network and tell them very specifically two things. One, what is it you're looking for? Is it just new customers? Or are you looking for a particular kind of customer? Are you looking for a particular kind of partner? What is it you want? And then number two, you've got to answer the question, what's in it for them? What is in it for that person that you are trying to network with? 
So the first part of it really, take a look at your network and isolate who it is that you feel um, fits into this bucket that knows you well. The next part of that is as you meet new people in your network, how often do you take, gosh, 15 minutes, it's not a big deal, to you've met someone new, who do you feel they would link best with in your current network? Then go back and say to your current network, one person, two people, this isn't hundreds. One or two people you go back and say, hey, Stuart, today I was at a um, Chamber of Commerce meeting and I happened to run into a gentleman by the name of XYZ and I told him that you would be calling him because. Now notice what I just did. In the past I've asked Stuart for referrals, but now I am doing a link. And as we all know, there are companies out there like LinkedIn that are, that are trying to get us to do this more effectively. Well, I'm asking you to do it with 10 people in your current network and making sure that you backlink, that whoever you meet now, you backlink into your network and give it away to someone else. So those are a couple of things that I don't think we do consistently with our own networks. Again, we look at it like a numbers game. So um, hopefully one or two of those ideas will help people to generate new interests, new leads, and new referrals. And you've got to always be backfilling your links. I mean, that's, that is so critically important. Uh, and I'm a firm believer that the givers get ten times more than they ever give eventually. That's right. And I think where a lot of people lose faith is that they expect instant gratification. And when it doesn't uh, happen... Uh, they get discouraged and they say, well, I'm not going to do networking anymore because it's obviously not working. Well, it takes a long time for that to happen. And it was funny because when you were mentioning it, I had a, a note coming across on my BlackBerry from one of my clients who's looking for a telephone provider. I was able to connect my telephone provider with one of my clients. And to me, it just, I'm the kind of the glue there in that whole transaction where, uh, where it, that's how the networking thing works. And my telephone provider is going to be now uh, wanting to send me some links back and forth because that's just what we do. Perfect, and I'm, I'm so glad, Stuart, that you mentioned a network. A true network is a two-way conversation. It's not just you asking them for, it's you providing as well, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that truly is the way that a, a, a very dynamic network should be working. Absolutely. Now, the next thing is, and I know we're going to talk, talk about marketing plans here, and I know a lot of IT shops, especially the small IT shops, do not have a marketing plan, mm-hmm. or it's very haphazard. Mm-hmm. They see something that they pick up at a trade show, and they go home and they try it once. They may try it again. They think that doing a postcard campaign is the greatest thing, so they send out <laughs> 5,000 postcards once. Yep. And there's two things that could happen there. You could get what mostly happens is you get no responses. The second thing is they get you know, 5,000 pe- uh, 5, postcards, you get 100 responses, and they, they don't have the capacity to fill that in the pipeline. Um, what is the importance of a, of a consistent, uh, high-quality marketing plan? Well, as you were just saying, I, and I have been a small business owner, and so I, I truly know the, the different hats you're wearing and the exhaustion you get at the end of the day, and unfortunately how often marketing plans are put on the way back burner. Well, 
where I come from in working with the clients that I'm working with today is to is to say to them, well, how do you get prospects? And they'll say, well, I one of the things I do is I go to um, a local IT group. Well, you know what? That is part of a marketing plan. And what else do you do? Well, sometimes I'll get names and then I'll I'll send out you know six or eight emails to people I don't know, or I'll do cold calling, or I'll... Well, all of those things truly are your marketing plan. So whether or not you have put it into a formal document, or as you were saying, you haphazardly do it, both of those are truly um, part of your marketing plan. And the objective here, if you'll, you had mentioned it, and I'd really like to reinforce it, is the sense of a self-serve marketing plan. Any of us who've been in big businesses, we point our finger over to the marketing department and we say they're the ones who are supposed to be getting us leads. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't always work that well. Marketing departments don't always drive good pre-qualified leads. So what we've begun to do at the KLA Group is say, wait a minute, this whole concept of self-serve marketing is for salespeople and for business owners. How much of your time can be devoted to a marketing plan? Boy, not much. we got to sell, 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 and deliver, deliver, deliver. But I'm doing it anyway. So why don't I take an hour? Why don't I stop long enough to say, here's what I'm doing anyway, how can I make it cohesive? How can I take that great value statement that I just wrote and use it as a brand? So every time I touch these people, they will hear the same message and they'll begin to go, oh, I know that company. So a good, true marketing plan targets a specific number of people over a particular amount of time. As you were mentioning before, Stuart, it's not that 500 postcard blast. That may work, but let's do those 500 postcards 50 at a time over a three-month period of time as opposed to 500 all at once. Because as you were saying, if all of them called back, oh my gosh, I couldn't handle it. So our marketing plan answers the question, what is the message that I want to get out there consistently to a target group of people that I can respond to? And if I do this consistently, then my funnel begins to get full because these people have been seeing my name, seeing my brand, and what I tell folks is, it doesn't have to be just the postcards. It can be a cohesive uh, plan that's a direct mail, if you want to do that, combined with an email, combined with a webinar, combined with a radio show, combined with, and those combinations are like a snowball. It starts with a single flake at the top of the hill, and by the time you get to the bottom, it's big enough for the base of a snowman. And that's what we're looking for is how do we build that momentum to drive those pre-qualified leads to us so we are not having to do all the effort. And um, 
the clients that we work with, we really show them how to take their great message, take their competitor's information, take their best new product, take their timing and their true value, wrap it all up together, do it once, and then repeat it over and over and over and over again and watch those leads come banging at your door. That's great. I mean, there's lots of, lots of good tips there as well. So we've got, uh, let's see, let's check the time here. Uh, we have uh, about uh, 19 minutes left. We got about, we're halfway through, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, here, and we've got a few callers there, but one of the guys who uh, didn't answer before called back in, so... Maybe we'll just near, go near the end and see if we can take any questions. I want to really finish off these 10 things here. So we're on to uh, driving and managing prospects, if my memory uh, is right from our last time we talked about this. Yep, absolutely. So we have uh, a number of things here. Uh, I got a list that I took from my notes here. One of the things, about was, one of the things I picked up was uh, figuring out what our ideal prospect looks like, you bet. creating a profile and in relaying that to our team, what what the ideal prospect of our company looks like. Uh, obviously, that's probably the first thing about driving and managing new prospects is really you have to know what they look like to uh, in order to get the right ones. You know, this, that is so true, and um, especially in working with small to medium businesses, numbers keep us alive. Numbers are the things that we actually take to the bank, those sales that we take to the bank. But it's it doesn't hurt to look backwards and say, whoa, wait a minute, where did my last three sales come from? What did those prospects look like? Because I can't go get the next three until I know what the last three just bought. And Stuart, you would be amazed at the number of times that I get a business owner or a salesperson in front of me and I ask them, Tell me what is your value, what is it that you're selling, what are your products, and they will go into this long explanation of of what they can do and the value and the products and the solutions, and they go on and on and on. And then I'll say, what did your last three customers buy from you? And the, the breakdown happens instantaneously. What the salesperson thought are their top sellers is not what their customers are buying. It may be what they're pushing, but it's not what the customers are buying. So the first thing I ask everybody to do is go look at your last three or six or ten sales and find out who bought from you, why did they buy from you, what was the need that you were, um, that you were meeting, and what was the value. Did you increase their revenue? Did you decrease their cost? Did you increase their market share? Did you save them time, save them money? What was it that you did for them that helped them? Then that, my friends, is your ideal profile. That's the person you want to go looking for as your next ideal person to sell to. Okay, perfect. I mean, yeah, you have to identify. You have to know what they look like in in order to get to uh, identify them. So, Next thing is uh, identifying our best odds. Uh, I put that in quotes. Maybe we can ex- explain what I'm identifying our best odd mar- target market and the needs within that market. I mean, to me, I kind of goes along with that ideal prospect right. uh, and determining what the needs in the marketplace for the services that we can offer uh, exactly. and, in order to get the, those best prospects into our into our organization. You bet. And and just um, 
just so that I'm helping everybody keep count, we had those first five that were the good tips that we just talked about. And so now as we're talking about driving and managing prospects, tip number six was profile your ideal prospect. And now this is tip number seven, which is identifying your best odds target market. And I'm glad you mentioned that best odds because my ideal prospect, let me just create them for you. My ideal prospect is a medium-sized business owner who, um, this is for like for the KLA group. So it's a medium-sized business owner. And in fact, my ideal prospect was talking to the business owner. And here are the, I happen to do, uh, we work best in the West Coast, for example, or we, whatever it is. So as I'm building this ideal prospect, now when I want to go out to a target market, I say, okay, I'm best in the IT world with medium-sized business owners that have the following needs. Now notice, in my ideal prospect, I was looking at an individual person, an individual role with an individual need. Now I'm translating that, and I'm saying, well, if that worked for him or her, how do I translate that so when I send out my email blast or I send out my direct mail pieces, I'm getting it to the right person? So I identify an industry or a geographic area or a size of a company or a need of a company. That is my target market. And I've already got what the need is because I know who bought from me last. So now when I put my piece together that I'm going to send out, I know it's going to the ideal role in the ideal industry, in the ideal geographic area. So that's my what I call my best odds target market. It's no longer a shotgun blast. Now it's very targeted. It's very specific. And if I don't get a response, I know why. I'm not just like, oh, well, now I have a reason behind it. Well, it kind of goes back to our uh, direct mail campaign where we sent out 5,000 postcards and getting no responses back. Right. I'd much rather spend the money on 50 and hit target clients that I want to go after and getting a 50% success ratio. I, I'm going to be more profitable at the end. I'm going to have more revenue. They're going to be grow my business instead of doing a shotgun 50, or 5,000 postcards and hopefully I uh, hit somebody who has a need. Really, the importance of targeting those marketing efforts are going to drive the best uh, opportunities into your business. So I think that was number seven. Um, is, my, is my count correct? Yes, that was just completed number seven, and I just wanted to comment. You absolutely said that per- perfectly because that's exactly what we were talking about. And so number eight kind of goes along with that postcard theory that we're talking about is uh, communication methods. You yes. want to really have something in your, in your uh, golf bag of marketing uh, tricks that are going to get your information read. Uh, based on your whole value statement and everything that you're doing, three communication methods that you can think we we have to come up with here to create that must-read. Yeah, we talked before about this marketing plan, which, of course, scares everybody to death. But what if I said, look, let's get the same message out there in a direct mail piece, like a postcard, and in an email two weeks later, and in a phone call, which we all know that most phone calls end in voicemails, so in a voicemail, but it's the same message sent out 
three different ways in a communication marketing plan. And some some folks right now may be saying, well, great, I, I create this value message and I just send it out in three different ways. Mm, not really. Let's, let's recognize that a direct mail piece is going to have it, – it's a different vehicle, if you will, than um, an email, which is a different vehicle than a voicemail. So really when you're talking about you know, Volkswagens and Cadillacs and Jeeps, they do different things. They have a different appeal. They also have different uh, – they enable me – as a salesperson, to show myself off in different ways. So when we talk about communication methods, I work with people to say, you've got a great value statement. You have wonderful value. How can we make it look great three different ways without you having to expend a lot of energy to do it? And honestly, when you sit down and go, oh, Oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. I can include graphics and color and all this great stuff on a postcard. I can't do that in email. But in email, I have to be more succinct, tighter, quicker call to action, right? And in a voicemail, I have to be even more succinct. So we use that single value statement in three different vehicles to get you out there so that you are branded, People know who you are, and they see your value, and as you had said before, Stuart, and very well said, they feel there is a must-read value for them, what's in it for them. Well, I know I can only speak of what I, happens in my own world here, Liz, is I get a lot of marketing material, and ends up, most of it ends up going to the recycling bin because I don't have, yes. you know, it doesn't create that, oh, I've got to look at this. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what, and you, you don't want your marketing material to end up in the recycling bin for, uh, to be used for something else down the down the road here. But you know, Stuart, even if it does end up in the recycling bin, even if I look at it and I go, oh, I don't know what this is, and I and I send it aside, then if I get something in email, I go, oh, I know this company. They don't know why they know you, but if your message and your logo and your name comes across always identically the same, pretty soon there's a recognition there that you got haphazardly by just continuing to come across this person's desk, now they begin to read you and go, oh, yeah, I've seen this company before. And that's that trickle effect that we're looking for, that rolling down the hill snowball effect. No, that's, that's fair enough. I mean, it's all about creating the brand and whether the brand gets seen, it's, uh, it's important. Now, I have the next topic here. I wrote down, don't give away your collateral and media, <laughs> and I put question marks Next to because I wasn't I wanted to talk to you about this before yeah and I, and I I'm a little confused by this but you mean don't you have to give away your stuff when you're when you're marketing like giving away uh, information or things about your company I mean oh. maybe I'm reading into this wrong <laughs> no good for you I'm glad you I'm glad you put those question marks because when I I will say to people yes don't give away your collateral they look at me like I've just grown horns. Um, because they'll say, well, wait a minute, I spent all this money to have all of this printed up. What do you mean I don't want to give it away? Well, here's the other part of it. As salespeople, we do such a good job dumping everything we have on these customers. Oh, look at this, and we can do this, and look at this, and let me show you. And our customers are asking two questions, or two words. So what? So what? You've got all this stuff, so what? What I would rather do 
is give them something that, that causes them to say, well, yeah, tell me more about that. The minute they say, tell me more, whether they call me, they email me, they, however they contact me, the minute they say, tell me more, now I send them that really good, slick, glossy, whatever it is that I spent all the money to have printed up, or the white paper, or the case study, or, 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 all of those pieces of collateral that have value in them. When the client asks me, or when I have been, when in sending something out I say, hey, Stuart, you know, we've been able to work with other companies and showed them significant sales increases by, by taking a look at our white paper, for example. You know, if you'd like more information, I'd love to send you this white paper. The minute you say, email me back and say, yeah, yeah Liz, please send me that white paper, you have now pre-qualified yourself. Now, if I had sent you that white paper just as a part of my packet, for example, and I just said, look, here's everything that we've got in our marketing bin. I want you to have it all. Maybe something will stick. Well, what are they going to do with that? They're going to pitch it. Instead, hold it back. Tease them a little bit. Make them recognize that what you have in that collateral is going to be of value to them. So when I say don't give away, what I really am saying is don't give away so fast that remember things that we get for free, we immediately attach no value to. Okay, so, now that's 100% clear. I get yeah. it now, and it makes a lot of sense. So that's perfect. Thanks for clarifying that one up. Now we have five minutes left, so I'm going to have to put you on the stopwatch in this last one so we can squeeze yeah. it in. Talk about number 10, uh, def- deliberately grab the coachable moment. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, we talk about coaching today, and it's got this big, you know, people have got their ideas, their paradigms about what coaching means. And I contend that one of the best coaches for me is me. And so even to small business owners, when you say, well, I don't have a sales team, so I'm going to kind of click off right now. No, 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 no. Are you really coaching yourself? Do we, we hate to look at things that, ooh, are, are hard to look at or, ooh, are, are tough or I didn't win that sale. Well, wait a minute. What was my expectation? I, I got this great value statement. I put it into a great marketing plan. I've got these great communication methods out there, and I didn't get the results I wanted. Well, did you establish what those results were on the front end for either yourself or for your salesperson? What was realistic? So as we're looking at anything that just happened or anything as we're going forward, grab that moment with either your sales professional or yourself as a sales professional and say, what did I expect or what am I expecting out of this marketing effort to get new leads? Next, if I do these things, how am I going to know whether I'm getting the results I wanted? What are my measurements? Is it dollars? Is it numbers? Is it phone calls? Is it responses? Next, if I have the opportunity to do it better, either How can I train my sales team? How can I model them? How can I develop? How can I help them? Or for those of you who don't have a sales team, 
how, where do I need to go to the gas tank? Where do I need to go get some good information on how I can even do a better job? So how can I learn from the experts? The fourth thing there is observe. Observe what really happened and what could happen better next time. Then, once I know where those gaps are, how am I going to address them? Now, that sounds like coaching, and I'm going to tell you absolutely it is. Communicate the expectations, define the activities and measurements, train and model, observe, and coach to the gaps. But the big message here is do it with yourself as much as you do it with your sales team and do it on both the front and the back end of your marketing plan, and you're going to see the results you're looking for. That's fantastic, and I'm a big fan of coaching. So, Liz, we, let's uh, to wrap up here. I know you have a number of um, complimentary resources through the KLA group. Maybe just touch base where we can find some of these resources, how people can uh, get in touch with you after our show is done if they want more information. And just a reminder, if you want a copy of these uh, 10 steps, if you sign up today online or over the weekend uh, or when, whenever you listen to this podcast, Sign up at smallbusinessitradio.com for our alerts and our news. We'll make sure you get a copy of the PDF file with all these tips on it that uh, Liz and I have been talking about for the last hour. So, Liz, uh, uh, very quickly, where can we find uh, information about the complimentary resources and how can people get in touch with you if they have any questions? Marvelous, Stuart, and I'm delighted to take any questions. Let's start at the top. My email is lbeerman.com. That's B-E-E-R-M-A-N at K-L-A-Group.com. Our website is www.klagroup.com. And on there, if they'll go to klagroup.com slash forward slash resources, there are downloadable tools, there are current trends and articles, there's um, our book on there, Selling Against the Goal, that Kendra Lee, as I mentioned, wrote. There's also a Power Prospecting Sales Kit that includes five Power Prospecting articles and five Power Prospecting e-tools that you can get. So all of that is available for you on our website or if you want, if it's, it's just easier for you to get back to me, lbeerman, at klagroup.com. Or my phone is 303-617-7543. I would be more than happy to make these things available to you. Perfect. Thank you very much, Liz. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come and talk to us on Small Business IT Radio here. The information you presented in the last hour has been phenomenal. And if if the listeners take one or two things away from it, like I did out of our time in Vegas there, you'll see an immediate change in the way you uh, get more prospects and close more business out there. So once again, thank you very much. And I'd like to remind everybody who's listening today that we do have a, a full schedule coming up in the next little while. Visit our website, smallbusinessitradio.com, to get a comp, uh, copy of the schedule. We have uh, Jim Hamilton coming up from MSP Partners and a number of other shows in the next, uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, over the next few months, we've got some great stuff we're working on. Just a reminder, this is Stuart Crawford in Calgary with Small Business IT Radio. Thanks to blogtalkradio.com for giving us a service to provide this. And I just want to remind you about my uh, special peer bundle book offer that we have as well uh, through my website, doyouhaveitbook.com. 
go there. You can sign up for the Peer Bundle book. You get two books for the price of one. Uh, you get the 26 tips from uh, uh, IT professionals across North America and the world through Peer Power, and my, copy my book called Do You Have It, which is a collection of articles, things I've learned over the last seven years being in business. Have a great, successful week.